On last week's episode of the Happen to Your Career podcast, we took a look behind the scenes. Behind the scenes because we had brought much of the team up to Moses Lake, Washington to create a guide that we've been talking about for literally years. And we did this over a period of many, many months and then converging on Moses Lake to finish it off and be able to get it out to the world. All of you listening to this right now. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. In this episode of the Happen to Your Career podcast, I want to share with you what's needed for meaningful work and also what you can stop doing that isn't really going to lead you to work that pays well, that really fits what you want in your life. And then, by the way, we'll cover what are the nine stages that everyone goes through. Everyone goes through if they really are interested in having much more fulfilling work that also pays incredibly well. And this idea and concept that we use behind the scenes with all of the people that we work with and all of our programs of how do we make success inevitable. All right. You heard it here first. Let's, let's start out with what do we need for meaningful work? This is something that we've recently covered, not just in podcast form, but also in the guide that I mentioned at the front side of this episode. It's called How High Performers Discover Their Ideal Career and Find Meaningful, Well-Paid Work Without Starting Over, a Career Change Guide. Okay, I want to dive right into that because so many people don't have a clue. Like We know some of the things. I mean, we know some of the things that we want intuitively, like we want to be able to have you know, flexible work. Well, we definitely know some of the things that we don't want for sure, right? Like nobody wants to be micromanaged, but what about the opposite? What do we actually really want? And what do we actually really need as human beings as it relates to not just work, but the things that are impacted by our work <laughs> the whole rest of your life, right? So I want to be able to cover those off first and foremost, because there's a lot of misconceptions as it relates to what you actually need. So first and foremost, we have divided these up into a variety of different areas, and I want to share each of those areas with you. Now, these are not every single thing, but we've used research and not just publicly available research that's out there, but also other research that's been hard to get at as well. And we've also utilized what we've learned from helping many people make these types of transitions over the past, well, since 2012, essentially. So quite a, quite a few years at this point. So just getting into these here, and then I'm going to divide them into two categories because guess what? There's actually things that you must have as a human being, but there's also things that when they're present, they turn an otherwise amazing situation into something far, far less amazing. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> that means that you can have an ideal opportunity, an ideal role, an ideal job, an ideal career that hits all of the other buttons. It hits your buttons in the ways that you need it to hit. And because you have these other detractors is what we call them present, then it can take that and turn it into something that 
quite frankly, sucks is far less amazing, right? Okay, let's start out with what do you actually need? What are the things that must be present? The number one thing that I found so, so interesting is autonomy. And, and, and that sounds really like a buzzword, like I need autonomy. And there's books that have been written on, on this too. Some really good ones and some not so good ones. A really great one on this is by Daniel Pink, who's been on the podcast in the past. He's written a number of really amazing books. And one of them just happens to be Drive. Drive talks about the need for autonomy. What it doesn't talk about though is necessarily some of the byproducts and impacts of what happens when you don't have autonomy. So when I say autonomy, first of all, what does that actually mean? Well, it means a variety of different things, but think about it just as you have the authority or input over how the work gets done. You have decision-making power or decision-making influence in how the work gets done. If you don't have that, you're going to miss out on a lot of the things that we need as human beings. And it's going to start to go against the human Human spirit for how, how work gets done. Now, there's some really interesting research out there, lots of research in this one particular category. And that research ranges from, hey, when you do have this, it drastically changes and impacts your overall quality of life. And then there's other pieces of other tidbits of research out there that indicate that when you have this, you're more satisfied overall, you're more productive, all, all kinds of good things, right? That, But when you don't have this, when you don't have this, there's some pretty severe impacts. This causes much, much higher levels of stress. And, and this is like, if you just really think about this from a functional perspective, what are we saying here? Well, we're saying that if you have this, if you have this measure of autonomy in your life, you feel like you have more control you know, if you want to call it control of your destiny, uh, we can call it that, but really like control and influence over your situation, especially when work is what is, well, <laughs> taking up so, so much of our lives. It doesn't have to be a taking up type situation. I don't, I don't think it should be at all. Obviously that's why we exist as a company. However, you know, for many people that is, that is the case. It consumes a large part of your day. And it's obviously much, much better if it is, a large part of your day that is actually great for you as opposed to just happen to consuming it and taking it up. But the reality is that not only does it cause additional stress when you don't have that, when you don't have that level of control, when you don't exert that level of control and influence, then not only is it more stressful in a bad way, distress, not you stress, but also it actually can cause and lead to really significant health problems. There's some research that I found and these I would say is actually a looser link. I have not been able to see that it's a direct correlation, but it's really interesting that there are some loose links to things like heart disease, <laughs> which is pretty crazy to think about, right? Like <laughs> this thing that we all want and need in one way or another, I want to have, be, I want to be able to have more control over like how I get to do the work and more influence in that. And yes, that means more responsibility and more decision-making and those types of things. But also when you don't have that, then like there's real impacts, or at least there's suggestions that there are real impacts to your health. And I think we've all seen stories of that. Even if we don't have a clear link in the research, I think we've all seen stories of like been significantly impacted by our health. I personally, you know, I I very literally, when I was in a situation where I didn't have a lot of influence in this, 
and how the work got done, then I, I gained almost 50 pounds. I, it was, it was bad. It was not good. And since then I've heard very literally hundreds and hundreds, probably even approaching a thousand different stories of people that have had really similar things happen to them when they haven't had control <laughs> over the, how the work gets done or influence in how the work gets done. Okay. So number one thing is that autonomy. There's also links to flexibility too. A lot of people are interested in, in flexibility, but that also can be thought of as how the work gets done in a sense of when, like working when you want to, right? Because many of us, it would be a better situation if we could choose when to do that. We could be more productive, all those things. Yes, I know that not every company in the world is open to that, but it's definitely something we need as human beings to have that autonomy and flexibility. Okay. Here's another thing. The second piece is challenge. All right. I think everybody could probably say that like, Hey, I need the right challenge. And this is going to be like, unless I have the right challenge, I'm going to get bored, that sort of thing. But when I say challenge, I'm talking about work that challenges you and pushes you to expand beyond your current capabilities. How many times have you heard people say they want to grow, right? <laughs> they, they want to grow. Well, this is part of what this actually means. As part of what it means to grow, you have to be challenged in order to grow. Like growth does not come without challenge, at least not any kind of rapid rate, right? So the right type of challenge means that you're stretched beyond your comfort zone, but not pushed so hard as you feel like you're drowning, not so far beyond your capabilities that it is unachievable for where you're starting from, right? Okay, so I mentioned growth and evolution and this goes hand in hand with challenge, but as you acquire new skills, experience, expertise, your role, organization, environment, whatever it is that you're in, the situation that you're in is allowing you to get what you need as it relates to that type of growth. So this is separating out challenge from other types of growth in, in some ways because there can be other ways that you are growing too and evolving. For example, and we'll talk about strengths here in just a second, because strengths, particularly what we call signature strengths, is another area that we all must be working in or experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis in order to feel like we are living much more meaningful lives and contributing in, in completely different ways. So as it relates to your strengths, as growth particularly and evolution relates to your strengths, that's an area where you can already be doing pretty well at in some ways or another, but also experiencing that, that growth that you're, you're looking for, right? So this is another area. Uh, still an area one more beyond that is your team. And that's grossly oversimplifying. What this really means is the people that you work with, particularly your coworkers and your boss and the people that you are surrounded by on a daily basis in a work environment are supportive. If you don't have that, or if you feel like you're being taken for granted or exploited, then, or like if you're in the like super, so high competitive environment, and that really doesn't line up with what creates a good situation for you, then it's going to feel wrong. It's going to feel forced. It's going to feel really bad in many different ways. So you must have supportive boss and coworkers. Absolutely. has to be there. If we're missing that, it's not going to feel 
very fulfilling for very long because this infringes upon the other factors too. So I mentioned earlier impact and contribution, right? Really what this means is you've got to be helping people. Everybody feels that way. Everybody comes to that conclusion. I can't tell you the number of times where I've had that conversation where you know, we get on the phone and somebody, and this is cool, like this is a super cool realization. I'm not undermining that at all because everybody has to come to this realization in one way or another to get to the next step. But also, Everybody comes to this realization where they're like, I feel like I have to be helping people. Why do we all come to this realization? Well, because it's a human need. It's something that we need. Unless we're a sociopath, then it's something we absolutely have to have in one way or another. So the key here is that as it relates to impact and contribution, you have to see a direct connection between your work and how it's helping other people. If you're missing that direct connection, then it's not going to be very good for very long. It's certainly not going to be very fulfilling for very long. And if, well, here's, here's an interesting thing. You could probably make the argument, right? That everyone, everyone who has a job in this world is helping people through their job. Like whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I was talking to the guy that picks up our trash the other day. Like he is a huge help to my world. <laughs> I don't know if he feels like it's really meaningful necessarily, but he's definitely helping people. Um, and every job, every single role, every single situation that's out there in one way or another is helping people. So then why don't all of them feel meaningful? Well, as it turns out, what's meaningful for me, how I directly see and connect how I'm helping others is going to be different than you. So that means this is the part where it starts to get challenging, right? That my particular brand or my particular version of what I need to see to directly help others is going to be different than yours. And we each have to define that for ourselves. I mean, that's, that's part of what we do behind the scenes. We spend a lot of time helping people figure out like, what, what does that actually mean for you? Like, where are the parts where you get meaning and fulfillment? What are, is that version of helping people that you can directly see and connect? And for some people, it's more than one way too. So you can start to see why this stuff gets pretty challenging, right? There's a lot of different variables here. We're not even going to cover them all. We're just going to cover the biggest ones. And if you don't have that, it's not going to feel very good for very long. Okay. What about your values? This is something that for me has always, always seemed a little bit mushy, like not mushy as in woo woo necessarily, but mushy as in like, it, it feels really fuzzy. It's very ambiguous, like values. Like what the heck is that even? So when you really get right down to it, what this actually means as it relates to you and what you need for work is the things that you place the most value on you know, whether that be people in your lives or it be uh, being surrounded by certain types of people, whether that be, you know, whatever those things are that are most important to you, you're actually living that, whatever that is. So the tricky thing here is when I say most important, that means not everything, not everything is going to be able to be on that list. Only the most important. That's really what is going to make the difference. And understanding what that is and having your work be a reflection of who you are as a person, if there's that misalignment, it's it's just not going to work out very well. So quick, really quick example. I used to work for a um, very large food company, right? And the section of the, the organization that I was responsible for in, as an HR leader, uh, we produced 
we produced different types of, we produce things like fries, even like if you've been to, I don't know, name a fast food place, zips, Wendy's, McDonald's, um, Sonic. Like if you've produced, if you've been to a place like that, you've probably eaten fries that the team that I served had a hand in either literal or figurative or, you know, leadership or someplace along the lines like that. You know, that's the type of organization that I worked for at one point in time. So here's, here's the rub. Like that was for all intents and purposes in many ways. I loved that. I got to make a huge impact on the organization. I got to make a real impact on people's lives. And also, by the way, I didn't eat fries. Like I did occasionally, but I felt terrible. Like it, 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 it didn't mesh with who I was as a person. Like that's what we were producing. That's what we were putting into the world. And I didn't, I didn't buy fries. Like I didn't, that didn't really align with who I was. And I'm not saying, you know, you should eat fries or not eat fries or anything like that. That's not the point of this at all. The reason I'm pointing that out is like, that is literally what we were producing. And I was working so hard for every single day. That's the thing that we were putting out into the world. And it was a complete misalignment because it's not how I lived my particular life. And it's not what was important to me. In fact, what was important to me was the opposite. The opposite being, I really wanted to put different things in in my body and serve to my family and everything else. And that just didn't align with an otherwise amazing situation. So eventually it became no good because it didn't align with my values. And that's a really tangible example of how that works. But there's many other ways that it works too. So the important part out of values is what is most important to you has to line up with what you're doing in your work. And that's different. It's different for everybody because what's most important to me is not the same thing that is most important to you, most likely. Another piece is what we call direction. This means that you know what you're doing at work and why you're doing it. You have clarity around that. You understand what's expected of you and how these expectations fit into your organization's uh, mission, the direction they're going, all of those types of things, right? And On top of that, you understand if you're winning, you have clear feedback along the way for that. If you're missing those pieces, it's not going to feel very fulfilling for very long. If you're working on this mission that you believe in, but you cannot tell if you're making an impact in any way whatsoever, eventually that's going to become no good. Eventually it's going to become no good. Okay. So the last one the I've alluded to this, we've talked about it briefly. And it's certainly not the last one that impacts your work and impacts your life, but it is the last of the largest ones based on all the research that we have here. So this is signature strengths. Really what this means is you get to spend at least a portion of your day utilizing things that you essentially can't stop doing, that you're predisposed to be great at. I'm not talking about skills. I'm not talking about like, I use the example all the time. You've probably heard it on the podcast where I'm like, Hey, you know, pivot tables. I'm awesome at pivot tables, but I don't want to do pivot tables for the rest of my life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the skills. Instead, what I'm talking about is those things that are deeper underneath the surface, those talents, like for me, and I just met somebody the other day, actually, that you know had a really, really eerily similar strengths to me. And now we're getting to help them through the, the career change process. But for me, uh, this combination of being able to uh, like think in very different ways about the future and using a very strategic outlook 
to be able to think about how to put real stuff into the world and make a, make an impact and be able to take something essentially like an idea out of thin air and put that into the world in the way that it makes a change. Like those describe some of my strengths and this other person that we are now helping through the career change process with that in mind, if I don't get to spend very much of my day doing that, it doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel very good. And I would argue that it's actually robbing the world of your contribution and what you can uniquely contribute. So (laughs) there's two ways to look at that. You know, one way is I don't want you to rob the world of what you can uniquely contribute because that doesn't help anybody. It certainly doesn't help you. But then the other side of that is, you know, if you, this is one of the most fun statistics I've come across over the years and absolutely love it because it just, it helps you understand how big of a deal this actually is. If you spend just one to two hours a day more than what you are now working in your signature strengths you're going to find that across the board, you feel happier in any given moment, or at least is what the data tells us based on what other people have have done over the years. And this is not like, you know, 2000 or 4,000 data points. This is many millions of data points coming from Gallup organization, but you're also going to find that you're more productive. You're going to find that you actually smile a little bit more. There's quite a few impacts on your quality of life overall. If you get to spend just a tiny bit more time working in your signature strengths, it literally changes your world in just that one. And that's, that's I think, a good place to think about any one of these actually makes a pretty significant change in your world. If you go from not having one of these to having just one of these categories that we've mentioned here, it completely changes your world. Uh, When you have all of them, that's where you really start to feel like you have much more meaningful work that really fits you versus the other way around. You're trying to fit into work, which ultimately, you know, we've all tried it and you can do for a while, but you can't do forever. So the other side of this here. The other side of this is the detractors. I mentioned those earlier. This is even if you have all of these other pieces here, even if you have the right type of growth you need, even if you have the right alignment of challenge, even if you have supportive bots and coworkers, even if you have, you know, it work that aligns with values and your direction and your signature strengths, all those things, even if you have all that, if these other things are present, if these detractors are present, can take an otherwise amazing situation and turn it into something far less amazing. One of those is an extremely long commute. So the research suggests that if you consistently have a commute for longer than an hour every single day, then it eventually turns in, it puts an expiration date on how good this is going to be. (laughs) It turns into something that's not great because it's hard to find fulfillment during a commute as it turns out. Uh, Instability. Like if you feel like your job isn't very secure and you believe you could lose your role uh, or opportunity at any time, that's another one. going to take away an otherwise meaningful situation. Undermining. (laughs) People who are uh, bullying um, well, that, that can be an example of, of undermining in one way or another, but that usually falls into another category that we call unsafe coworkers, like your coworkers or boss, you know, threaten your physical or psychological safety. For example, a coworker who's bullying you, or you've got a boss that's a yeller, 
Like those things, no good, obviously. You didn't have to have me tell you that, but definitely can take an otherwise amazing situation, turn it into something far less so. But undermining can also be like, maybe worked on a bunch of different projects and all of them get canceled. And it just totally removes the impact of your work, right? That can be another another way to think about it. Inadequate pay or actually specifically compensation that you don't feel is fair or compensation that doesn't meet your basic needs. Either one can take an otherwise amazing situation and turn it into something mm, not so good. The last one is this, uh, not the traditional idea of being underqualified, but if you are consistently working in work that is far, far beyond your capabilities, like long past the growth point or what you need for growth, but something that essentially feels hopeless or is continuously eroding your confidence. Okay. Any one of these categories can take an otherwise amazing situation and turn it into something pretty terrible. Here's why I'm telling you this. I want you to be able to do something about it. Now, I mentioned that guide earlier that we put together and we've had the entire team working on this, taking what we've learned over the years, helping thousands of people make transitions and what we've learned from studying the available research, some of the research that we have begun to do several years ago on our own, just our observations uh, tactically and functionally in how people transition. And we've put all of these most important pieces into a guide that's perfect for when you are really just getting into this and just starting to think about like, how do I actually do this in reality? Part of what it'll do is help you understand how other people have done this. And your road may not be exactly the same, but what it will do is help you understand all the stages that every single person goes through and what's commonality and give you real world examples of how other people have done it. And even if you do something slightly different, there need to do something slightly different than what they have done. That's totally okay. It can make it possible for you or how to think about it in a way that's possible for you. I would highly encourage you to go get it. Uh, it's super easy to check out. It's completely free, available on our website. It <laughs> is the product of many, 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 many hours and much laboring and reading and research and everything else to be able to make this thing happen. And I, I think that you'll love it, but don't hesitate to let us know. Let us know what you think. Good, bad, and otherwise. I'd love to hear. Most of all, I'd love for you to read it and take advantage of it because we've made it available free, but we really want it to be able to help have an impact on making work that you want possible for you. Here's how you can get it. Two different ways. They're super easy. You can go directly to happentoyourcareer.com and then just click on career changer, click on career changer guide, and you'll find it right there. It'll be super easy. However, if you don't want to mess with all that, just drop me an email, Scott, it happened to your career.com and just put career changer guide in the subject line and we'll make sure that it gets sent over to you here. What it's actually called is how high performers discover their ideal career and find meaningful, well-paid work without starting over. All right. That's what I have for you this week. I hope this was helpful and gave you a few different ways to think about what you need and what you want. And I also hope that uh, if you need anything else, don't hesitate to ask because practicing asking for what you want and asking for what you need is one of the things that is a behavior that we see from people who make it to work that that fits them. All right. 
If we can be of any help, any part of that whatsoever, don't hesitate to contact me or anyone on the team and we'll figure out the right type of help for you. You know, I mentioned earlier, you can email me and put career change guide in there, but if you ever want to have a conversation with, uh, with myself or our team or whoever happens to be available at the time to figure out what is the right way that we can support you making the career change to where you want to go and, uh, you know, customizing what that support looks like, just send me an email, put conversation in the subject line. We'll make it happen. It's what we do. It's what we love to do. Talk to you later. Until next week, we've got so much more in store for you right here on Happen to Your Career. We'll see you then. Until then, I am out. Adios. Adios.